Is this thing on? Cool. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Uncultured, the podcast. I'm your host, Kripa, here to add a little bit of colour to your weeks. We made it. You came back. You came back for a second episode. Um, No, I'm really glad you're here to join me. And I'm really glad you're here for this particular episode because today's guest is the inimitable Ravina Grover, spoken word poet, photography director, chai connoisseur, one of my closest friends. We're chatting about all things coming out as a queer Punjabi woman in Australia. I learned a lot this episode. I feel like every sentence I was just learning something new. And yeah, I'm really keen for you guys to get into it. So I'm going to shut up now and let's go. I have a really, really special guest with me here today. Her name is Pixie. And I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you banished Pixie from this room. Yeah, I did. I banished her from the room. Um, Pixie is Ravina's dog. Our real guest is Ravina, Ravina Grover, who I'm so excited to have on today's episode. Thanks for having me. She happened to agree to come on because she's one of my best friends. So Because um, she paid me. I did. I did pay her with my friendship. Ravina, how did we meet? We met online, didn't we? We did actually meet online. We actually did, but it's not what you think it is. Kripa and I met on Facebook. I actually saw the poem of yours about colorism on a group that we were part of. I'd made a post on that same group being like, does anyone want to join this group that I've made? I was an admin, I still am, of a Facebook group called South Asian Dreamboats. And you commented on the post saying, yep, I'd love to join. We became Facebook friends. And then a couple of weeks later, again, we both realized that we were going to a mutual friends party. Yeah, you were like, you can just delete me after. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and, and I didn't. And yeah, then we became so close. We did, yeah. Yeah, so I really wanted to have you on as one of our first guests on my podcast because I do think that there is a beauty to how confident and how secure you are in parts of your identity. I think a lot of people who identify as LGBTQIA+, from the South Asian community often don't have the privilege of a good role model to kind of understand how to navigate coming to terms with their sexuality and their race. Obviously, it hasn't been easy for you, but you come across as very secure in your identities. So that's why I wanted you here because I think, yeah, someone maybe could take something from this. Yeah, I mean, that's really sweet. I think a lot of people growing up in the South Asian community don't always grow up with the best role models or any role models. You know, it's always nice to even have peers or have anything at all that they can, that we can grasp onto and kind of, yeah, find solace in and find comfort and familiarity when. Ravina, you didn't grow up in Sydney. You grew up in the wonderful Superior Perth. That's correct. Tell us about it. I mean, I feel like if I did grow up in Sydney, I would definitely have a completely different life just because Perth Perth is quite small compared to Sydney. And I think the fact that Sydney is so much more multicultural, like there just been a lot more exposure to things like racism, like homophobia in the sense of like understanding it, obviously experiencing it. You would experience it anywhere. But yeah, Perth is quite insular in the sense that because WA is so separated from the eastern states, there's not really that connection. Like no one really, you know would go for a weekend to Melbourne like you would in Sydney. I wouldn't, it wasn't like anything like growing up in a country town, but maybe just one step above that. 
Double plus. <laughs> Double plus. <laughs> um, tell me about racism you faced in high school as a minority. Oh, yeah. It also happened in primary school. There was a lot of racism stemming from religion. So I went to a Christian primary school and being the only quote-unquote out Hindu person. <laughs> I didn't even own a Bible at home until I think year seven when we got it at camp like you know as diverse and multicultural your school may be or your community may be I think in particular religion really shaped so much of my childhood because me going to a Christian primary school as a person who was very obviously not Christian and who was Hindu and with Hinduism being most commonly associated with South Asia and brown people religious discrimination and racism sort of tied in together uh, which was difficult um but I wasn't out to myself. I hadn't thought about my sexuality, not actively or consciously anyway, in primary school. And so that leads me to asking, how did you know? How did you come to terms with the fact that you like women? Mm. Big question. That is a big question. I think I, I knew at 15 that I liked girls. I guess the biggest thing for me at 15 was that I had a crush on my dance teacher at the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> But yeah, and I was confused because I was like, why do I feel the same feelings around her that I felt around boys my age? Yeah, I think that was like the board that dropped where I was like, okay, I started to become more cognizant of it, mm. even though, you know, I'd had crushes before, but I just didn't know what they were. I just thought, okay, I like spending time with women because I feel safer with women. That's interesting that you say that, that a lot of women can have affinity to other women like friends or authority figures like I know that I prefer to go to female GPs or you know have a female teacher and really understanding the distinction between that because you feel safe or that because you actually or want to be around certain women right mm -hmm. and really creating that distinction I think would have been would have been a really interesting revelation for you as well yeah it was um, I, at 15, I realized I liked girls and I remember telling a couple of friends, I told my parents, but I at that time did not really understand what was happening and I didn't have the terminology to label myself. And the only sort of representation of gay or lesbian women I'd seen were like old white lesbians with short hair. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not that. So we posted this poll up um, over the weekend. The first question was a slider and it said, if you told your parents about a queer friend, how accepting would they be? The slider was somewhere in the middle. The next question was, if you told your parents that you were queer, how accepting would they be? The slider was more towards the less accepting side. And I find that dissonance quite interesting because it is reflective of a lot of the South Asian community where parents are like, yeah, 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 you know, everyone can do what they want to do. I, I'm, I accept gay people and it's fine. We have to understand whether acceptance is real acceptance if you can't accept it in your own family. Yeah, I mean, for my parents to reach to a place where it was a complete non-issue for our family, I'm out to my immediate family, my auntie, uncle, my grandma. It was a journey and it is a process. It's not something for me that was overnight. It might be for other South Asian people and other people of colour. And that is amazing. But I also know that in most cases, it's not. And there's really no kind of one size that fits all statement or one size that fits all attitude that you can put towards the South Asian community or parents. Hopefully one day, young queer people of colour can be themselves in their communities and can be safe in that. I wanted to ask, you mentioned that 
you came out at 15 to yourself and then to your friends and then to your parents. Uh, what I find really interesting is that a lot of South Asian people either would wait until they're in uni or in a relationship or maybe never. What made you feel so comfortable to do that? Secondly, what was their reaction? Were they fully accepting in the first place or was it a journey? Yeah, for sure. Um, what made me come out, I, especially with my relationship with my mum, I just really struggled to keep big things in my life a secret from her because she'll find out eventually or I'd want to tell her eventually. And yeah, for me, it was something that was just very natural. Like, I think at that time, I just felt like, look, this is how I feel. I don't know how she's going to react, but however she processes it is her problem. At least I don't have to think about carrying the fact <laughs> that she doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. My mum's reaction at first was taken aback, one, because I was so young too I remember telling her when we were driving home from something and it was a week day night and we had school the next day and I told her we were like on the freeway I think I deliberately told her in the car so we wouldn't be able to have a face-to-face conversation (laughs) (laughs) it was a very short conversation I think I remember her telling me that it was just probably just a phase and to just keep my mind open and that I was really young but yeah I, I knew at that time that there was definitely attraction to women I didn't know at that time that there would be minimal attraction to men Um, (laughs) did she bring it up again after or was it just an unspoken thing no it was an unspoken thing it was only brought up pretty much when I brought it up and I think because I was so young when I came out I was tired of talking about it for five years and my mom was probably tired of talking about it by the time the plebiscite rolled around both she and my brother said yes like without question and then I guess like from then on it just was really a non-issue which is so lucky Uh, yeah it really is and I am very blessed and I am privileged that my mum was accepting to a degree definitely when I first came out I came out to my dad as well and you know for context my parents are split up but yeah it was a non-issue for him as well but that being said it was still quite frustrating at times to not be one of those kids who tells their parents and immediately they're like oh that's wonderful you know let's talk about this more it was very much like I had to find my queer self by myself I think my mum's reaction initially is very normal. Like It's a very standard reaction to have being a South Asian parent and migrating to another country, wanting a better life for your kids. She was going on her own journey to understand what it was that I was thinking. I was going on my own journey. I had a very prolonged process of coming out. Coming out is not just telling one person and then you're out of the closet coming out means you know coming out to yourself coming out means coming out to your family means coming out to your friends coming out to strangers every new workplace you go to every new interaction you have with someone who is important in your life or someone you want to tell that is all coming out so it's a constant process like it never ends do you have any advice for people who are you know coming out to their families and are unsure as to how their parents will react? My advice for people who want to come out is the first thing is to make sure that you are in a safe space and you have a backup plan if things don't go your way. Sometimes coming out can result in the worst possible outcomes, can compromise your safety and 
that is the most important thing even before being able to live your truth and you know think some things that we can do is like join groups on facebook see what's happening on instagram like getting a sense of like induction into queerness and the queer community that way and meeting other queer people your age kids can be so affirming no matter where you are in the journey of accepting yourself it is such a gift for you to be able to be cognizant of this queerness is not something that's different or particularly like a revolutionary it is just so normal and it is okay for us to be this way it's existed throughout centuries i think there are a lot of factors that come into play when considering coming out as a south asian yeah i think there are definitely potential added challenges and hurdles to coming out as a south asian person you have to consider your parents and immediate family what their response will be what their feelings about it will be and how you will respond and what how you will feel based on their responses coming out isn't necessarily always the best thing to do Exactly. It's not. Yeah. It's something that, you know, can be really negative for some people, can be a huge challenge, can completely change their life in a bad way. But then again, it can be something that can be so liberating, can be something that you can work through with your parents like I did with mine. But it really just depends person to person. And I think also within the South Asian community, there's that added added challenge of so many of our parents being such huge members of these large communities, whether they're temple communities, dance communities, aunt communities, whatever, family friends, exactly. And the perception of, you know, lo kya kenge, or what will people say? How do I carry this secret? Or how do I carry this information within my community? Who do we tell? Who do we not tell? And that will inadvertently come down to the young person who is coming out. And in some cases, even police themselves about what they can post on social media, who they can talk to about this, who they can tell, who they can't tell. Constantly being mindful of it. And it's all, again, to protect your parents, right? Because yeah. I don't think you'd care if people know, like ideally everyone knows, right? For sure. And I think, you know, for so many of us, even if our parents are accepting by default, because so many of us are so well integrated into these different communities, the fact is that if other people know, it could also compromise your safety or at least your stance within a community and it could potentially damage and compromise that, which is a huge responsibility for young queer South Asian people to think about, for any young queer person to think about. Plus coming to terms with your sexuality. Oh, yeah. Plus like navigating a love life or a social life as a queer person it must be so intense just the weight of the world on your shoulders yeah yeah just casually coming up after the break we talk about what it's like navigating the world not looking stereotypically gay does being in a relationship make you more gay and finally we answer all your questions from instagram see you soon I wanted to talk about something that is pretty unique to you. Mm-hmm. When I met you, I didn't think you were gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I think so many of us, when we're young and when there is that sense of like internalized homophobia or even like normalizing straightness, like we wouldn't automatically have looked at someone and assumed that they were queer. And I think like there's nothing that defines someone really as queer. There's no sort of one thing that you can say or you can do that would be like, oh, yep you're queer i struggle to admit this but i think it's something that i still do have an issue with i still do struggle with it there's such a duality like there's so much privilege and so much security and safety in not being an overtly queer person in the sense that you know you'd go out 
someone doesn't read you as queer who could be potentially dangerous you are kept safe from a certain situation even a lot of queer people may not understand the unconscious biases and unconscious sense of privilege that they carry even in the workplace getting hired for jobs because you're still ticking a box but you're not ticking a box in a way that they don't want you to Mm. and you know clicks clicks clicks. for sure and then you know on the opposite end of the spectrum where you are someone who is not seen as queer at all it can be really frustrating and exhausting and you know sometimes I have had to validate or felt like I've had to validate my sexuality because I've you know even had chicks that I'm making out with being like oh you're not really queer are you and I'm like okay well you know Mm. I am yeah obviously (laughs) (laughs) um and you know some things I've done that I don't really do anymore but like some things I did as a kid were just you know try to dress more queer by wearing cuffed pants or like wearing a carabiner or wearing a cap just that as soon as people saw me they could immediately perceive me as queer yeah 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 understood which isn't it as much of a huge thing for me now it goes up and down in terms of you know how much that matters to me how much it doesn't when i was 17 and was like yep i am gay i listen to tegan and sarah i mm. i have no idea who that is you don't know who tegan and sarah is they were huge for me because the terminology that they used to describe their sexuality and gender identities and, and the fact that they you know were so vocal about being queer women led me to understand my own sexuality yeah Tina and are just a canadian music group they're two lesbians i used to spend all of year 12 just watching their music videos watching their interviews their live shows concerts everything that's when i like properly came out to myself rather than sure sure thinking that i was you know attracted yeah. to girls to being like okay this is who i am this is what my sexuality is do you think that knowing the terminology and when to use it and how to use it is signifying of coming out or do you think it's just accepting that there's something different in you and that hey I feel differently around girls and this is does that not equate coming as coming out I think terminology can be really powerful and really useful if you need to use it and if you want to use it for me it was it's not so much that by understanding the terminology I finally felt like it was valid for me to come out but it was more so that the terminology helped me to understand what it was that I was feeling and process it and go from thinking that, okay, I like women, but I am straight to being like, okay, I'm not actually straight. And that sort of opened up this door for me. Mm, It's like a guidance to tell Mm. you what your feelings mean and what you can do with those feelings. So you mentioned the term internalized homophobia. I was wondering if you could elaborate on what that means. The difference is that internalized homophobia is what queer people specifically will experience. And I think it's fair to say that every queer person has experienced some degree of internalized homophobia. And so internalized homophobia just comes from the sense of, you know, having judgment of or fear of completely accepting oneself and to a degree, maybe other queer people. To boil it down, internalized homophobia and homophobia just stems from heterosexuality being very normal and that being the default. That's how internalized homophobia shifts from, you know, changing the perception of something being the default something being normal to creating a different normal for yourself so yeah i think a good example is like any person of color having internalized racism wanting to look white wanting to be white trying to pass as white trying to be as disconnected from their culture and kind of hating yourself for your culture and being what you are Yeah, absolutely. Like it can come from, you know, wanting to be straight or wanting to be cis. And in the same way, like, you know, understanding more about society and racism when we grow up, wanting to be more white or aligned to whiteness, which 
every South Asian person has experienced to some degree, you know, like either by shortening our names, shortening our names, not wanting to wear tikka to school, knowing to celebrate our holidays, knowing to wear smelly food, stuff, at lunch. smelly food, everything. Yeah, and it sucks. I think that leads very well into my next question, which is as a person who likes women, how do you think that identity intersects with your being Indian? Yeah, there are definitely added challenges when, you know, you have more than one not normal quote unquote identity. So something that is different from the standard coming to terms with the fact that it's okay for me to be like obviously Indian. That's not something I can change. But obviously I can't also change my sexual identity and coming to terms with the fact that these two things like make up who I am. It was like a process of just trying to merge them together when I was a kid. In my article writing about this, I mentioned how over time it just became normalized because it was such an integral part of, it is such an integral part of who I am to the point where it's something I don't really think about on a day-to-day basis. When I was growing up, at least there were no resources to, to sort of explain or affirm that it's okay to be a person of color and it's okay to also be queer and those two things don't have to fight against each other. You, you must have had moments where you felt like you couldn't be your full South Asian self and your full queer self at the same time. And it's interesting that you said that they don't have to be fighting against each other and that they mm. can be one fluid identity. Yeah, 100% when I was growing up, I expressed even in like the fact that I would not really go to a queer event dressed as like, you know, in South Asian garb, unless it was like a South Asian queer event. I actually went to my first one when I was 19 and it was epic. It was oh hectic. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, it was run by Trico in Australia. Really, really fun. Yeah, those are the sort of things I think that are amazing for young queer people to have and to attend and to even see that there is a community out there. And even if you don't want to engage with that community, you can at least see that that it's normal. As a queer person and as a South Asian queer person, if there are any younger queer people listening to this or even my peers listening to this, I think the goal is to just normalize ourselves and our identities. For me, it's to be able to one, like not have to focus on it and to be able to focus on other things that matter to me more that incite more change like structural things beyond myself are you in a relationship and do you think that that relationship makes you more gay oh good good question i know we've spoken about this a little bit before um yes i am in a relationship with an incredible woman even though you know i hate to admit this has been affirming for me as a gay person because in a sense it has sort of solidified my gayness to the outside world I know that I don't need that and I think that it's just a process of for me to be able to normalize that and to be able to get to a stage where it's just something that shouldn't matter whether I, whether I am in a relationship whether I'm single I'm still queer I know that but for sure but it feels validating it feels you. validating even though it shouldn't a huge part of being in a queer relationship is also and having queer friends like having a queer community there's a lot that you can learn about yourself and about queerness because you understand you know what other people's limits are what other people's perception of being queer is what they feel comfortable with yeah my parents like it's a non-issue for them the fact that I'm in a queer relationship but that being said I guess like my family is not one that is huge in any particular Punjabi or South Asian community and I think it can be very different for families that are or even people who aren't but just have different parents and so you know I don't think my story or my parents reaction is unique but I don't think it's very it's as common sadly beyond homophobia it's just a sense of like normalizing it and educating it and as much as 
for you like listeners as a south asian person it is safe for you to do so especially if you're not queer if you're a straight person and as much as you are able to to have these conversations with your family your community that easier it makes it for the rest of the community to change perceptions on queer people and to accept us a little bit more i wanted to end off with a couple of quick questions that we actually got from our instagram audience have you ever had blurred lines with same-sex friends oh that's an amazing question blurred lines in the sense not existing friendships definitely some new friendships and especially when i've met friends on dating apps there's been sort of like a are we are we not do we want to do we not but yeah it's just resulted in some really beautiful friendships are you religious? And if you are, did that affect the way you came out? I am religious culturally. I'm not so much religious in the sense of practicing Hinduism in traditional ways. No, religion did not play a big part for me in coming out. But in that sense, I know that the way that I perceive Hinduism before colonization in Indus Valley times, like when there was just no presence of whiteness in that country, no presence of European colonization, queerness was such a part of the fabric of society. And even in like the Kama Sutra, queerness is spoken about. And I think that's something that people just fail to remember and just fail to even know about because it's not something that's spoken about but yeah i didn't know yeah that. if i was a religious person that i think would have affirmed my sexuality next question is do you think that if you weren't south asian you would have come out earlier and do you feel that your coming out was pressured or influenced by western society That is an amazing question. I haven't really thought about that before. And thank you to um, whoever asked that because, you know, it gives me food for thought. But I don't think I would have come out earlier if I was a white person or if I was more influenced by Western society. I think I came out, I started to think about it when I became cognizant of it, when I realized that that is what I was thinking of. Sure, I think subconsciously there may have been Western influences that helped or informed my decision. But yeah, on a conscious level, no, I, I had certain feelings, I had certain thoughts and I wanted to talk about them. What questions do you find offensive? Like what's mm. the right kind of terminology and what do you feel taken aback by? By general rule, I think when you talk to someone who is queer wanting to learn, make sure you have done as much research independently as you can before and not just about gay and lesbian communities and people, but look look into look into things like gender identity and understanding things by yourself and then approaching other sources like queer people and queer friends if you have questions. What is offensive is different for everyone. Personally, I, I do find it offensive when people would ask about like your sex life or people make general comments about how dressing the way one dresses means that they're less queer or they don't hold as much of a stake in queer communities yeah other things that i just find a little bit yeah offensive and i have an issue with is that when people will approach queerness in a very straight sense and by that i mean is like look at queerness by the face value of what they see based on like mighty gras ads or like ads on tv or what you know they have heard by hearsay instead of actually engaging with queer media and research and stuff that's available on the internet and knowing that you know queerness is not just like a lesbian wearing a snapback or like a gay man dancing like queerness is also people who who just like look like you and speak like you and whatever it is like understanding that queerness encompasses a lot more than the way you look and it encompasses a lot more than your sexuality like gender identity and how people exist as cisgender people in this world and the massive privilege that affords is really important to think about and tie in with learning about queerness. 
Well, thank you so much, Ravina, for joining. Thank you for talking about your experience. It's very generous of you, and I've learned a lot today, um, and I hope at least one of you listening have as well. Yeah, I mean, if anyone listens to this and you just want to have a chat or you want to talk about your sexuality or about life life recommend a movie whatever just hit me up on instagram um and i'm always open to constructive feedback make sure you follow ravina on instagram at ravina r-a-v-e-e-n-a-g-r-v-r i'm really funny on twitter but you won't know (laughs) i don't use twitter um that's my full name ravina g-r-o-v-e-r you can follow me on uncultured pod on instagram You can also share this episode with your friends and follow us on Spotify. That would mean the world to me. And I think that's it. Thanks for joining us and see you next week. Thank you for having me, Kripa. I really enjoyed talking my ear off to you. And I really appreciate that you've opened up this platform. 